Welcome to a brand new season of the Grappling Arts Podcast. After a short hiatus, Claire and I are excited to be back bringing you the most in-depth wrestling performance discussions you are likely to find anywhere. For the first episode back, we are joined by wrestler, actor, filmmaker Charles Crowley to discuss his celebrated film, You Are Cordially Invited, which premiered on New Year's Eve 2020. The film stars many of British wrestling's finest independent performers, including Gene Money, Chuck Mambo, and Session Moff Martina. Over the course of around 90 minutes, we talk about various ideas behind the film, the filmmaking process, and other topics including genre, style, and the difference between wrestling for the screen and wrestling for a live audience. We hope you enjoy the show. If you do, please leave a review and please subscribe. Yeah, I mean, I mean I've got like a little... I've got like a bench I've got some weights and I've got a, a bike that I don't really use because um, I'm not much of a cardio person so like I'll do it because I have to do it but the re- I, like, I prefer lifting heavy weights for less reps so this is you know shocking the body and I'm doing lots of high rep stuff which is awful and it's basically cardio um, but it's good for me I can actually tell my body looks better because of it it's re- I'm responding better I'm healthier I just miss lifting heavy weights yeah. <laughs> really I can relate to that. Yeah. My thing is I've um, I signed up to the CrossFit Open. Oh, so, no um, way. I literally watched the latest CrossFit Games uh, this morning. I haven't, fin- I haven't got to the end of it yet, but I watched it during my workout. That's so cool. Yeah, they've got um, so for the, they've got an adaptive division, which is really cool. So I'm in um, upper adaptive, which is for people with um, like an upper body um, physical limitation. Sure. Um, so it's the first time they've done that, which is really cool. And then um, because of all the gyms being closed in Europe and stuff, they're doing body weight only workouts as well. So you can do minimal equipment and then body weight only. Body weight only. So. That's so cool. Uh, yeah, something to do, something to keep me occupied and something to work towards. So Yeah, that's very fun. cool. I love that about CrossFit. Like I'm still undecided about some aspects of CrossFit, but I love that aspect of it that like everyone can do it and the leaderboard's just this giant thing and yeah and that's very and i really i I did for a long time i did only body weight exercise like for a really really long time and really made quite a lot of progress just using body weight stuff but you can really push yourself quite hard doing just body weight so uh, you know um, i've been talking more to um tom dawkins karanoir recently (laughs) and like obviously he's like the body weight guy um (laughs) and you know he, he's got the physique he's got and he moves the way he moves because of all that like that's the way he you know he just loves movement and it's all movement-based training um so talking to him is like i was like oh god because he's like complete opposite of me like he's um super keto diet um which is not me i love lasagna and um he, he doesn't, doesn't sound like he's had lasagna in like so long because <laughs> he said to me he's like if i'm really feeling like low and i really really feel like i need some carbs i'll have a pepper and I was like, a pepper? <laughs> like, what? I like, look, move the pepper aside to get to things. That's wild to me. Yeah, but, he does lots of things, doesn't he? Because he's, he's a big faster as well. He does a lot of intermittent fasting. I remember talking to him about um, yeah. about that. I think he just finished like doing an hour and a half of wrestling training and like some strength training. He hadn't eaten that day. And it was like early afternoon. It's madness, but... Works yeah. for him, so it works for him. Yeah, he's got it into his system. Um, it's very interesting talking to him, and I, 
I'll incorporate some of his stuff because, you know, I, I, I kind of, I, that's why I got in touch with him because there's a few things I want to do in the ring that I think his style of training will help me with. Um, mm. So I'll incorporate some, but I'm not going to get away from the, the heavier stuff because I like the powerlifting. It's fun. And it's got, if gym's got to be fun fundamentally, otherwise you won't push it. You'll just push it harder naturally when you enjoy it. So. And you don't need to get away from lasagna either. So that's probably another. You don't have to go away, sorry. <laughs> You don't have to get away from the lasagna either. So that's- <laughs> no, way. no, no, that's, that's, that's first and foremost is lasagna. Yeah, I love it so much. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I'm like yeah. Garfield. I was going to say, what about wrestling training? Have you managed to, obviously, I assume you had a bit of training before the new lockdown. And um, Yeah. So before the new lockdown, I was back uh, training at a place called Square One, which is run by UBW down in um, uh, Hitchin Way. Um, and there's a smaller ring, but, you know, it's fine. It's a great ring. Um, forces me to think about ring positioning and all that kind of stuff. Um, obviously, it had been a while until I trained before this lockdown. So, you know, I went back in there and went all over the fundamentals. That was that was weird. I had to get my mind back into it before I could actually physically try it. And then I was just exhausted just doing anything. It, it came back quite quickly, but I managed to get... Um, I managed to get some training in and I, it, was, it was actually kind of, it was almost like a really annoying tease because like um, I was starting to, I was like, okay, r- you know, knock off this Russ, which is going to be there for everybody. And, and I had this mindset is like everyone that trains now as much as they can, even though we may not be wrestling right around the corner, every, it's going to show when people come back, who's been training and who hasn't. So I was like, I was on it and I was feeling really good. Cause I felt like I came back with a brand new mindset towards wrestling. I've been watching a lot more. Uh, it forced me to take a step back and kind of just see it differently. And I was like, what, like looking back at some of my old stuff, I'm like, why am I, why, why, why did I choose to do that? Or, you know, and it's so obvious to me now. And I'm like, you know, I just basically ask why, to everything and it's usually gives me the, it gives me an answer and gives me a better you know so anyway i was really starting to pick it up and obviously this happened again and uh mm. I, I live with someone high risk so i really you know i understand people have to take risks to go out for shopping and stuff but i've got to take like very very little yeah yeah it's interesting because um we had a similar conversation with gene on the podcast and he was saying that he's that when he comes back he thinks he'll uh, people will be quite surprised about the way he wrestles. Like he was talking about, um, so he's developed a new way of moving. Like he's he's changed lots of different aspects of his of the way he's going to go about wrestling, um, which was really interesting. And, and like like yourself, as a result of lockdown, of kind of watching more stuff, of having to think more about uh, well the limitations of training and things like that. Yeah, it's really, I mean uh, Gene especially, um, and 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 this. I don't know if I can say this because I don't know if I've been around long enough to say this, but even um, within my journey, you can see that Gene has had like a really interesting development in regards to who he is as a wrestler um, and finding himself. And he's got this really um, interesting experience in loads of avenues of wrestling. And, and like he's constantly adapting and changing and he knows what he's capable of. And I think it just seems like he's constantly defining to kind of really, really show and prove to just what extent he's capable of and um it'll be interesting to see how he returns how he looks because i know he trains insanely hard um yeah and how he's moving like i can totally relate to that like i've got loads of ideas on how i want to move i never again i never thought of that before 
um, is in fact, it's probably one of the harder things um, for me to see, especially when I started, because the way I moved in the, the ring, I just looked like a rubber band. Like the, I just, I didn't even run like I normally run, which I, you know, again, looking back, I'm like, why, why am I running like that? Um, and just the way I moved, because, you know, there wasn't this confidence in me and I was second guessing things and questioning things, things that should just be second nature, really. Um, which of course comes with training and reps, then everything gets back in your system uh, within this new environment. But yeah, now I'm like, okay, well, look, I can, I can do all that. I can move really well um now i'm going to play with it um mm -hmm. so i'm at a stage where i'm like look i i love the the tumbling um like basic tumbling and stuff like crowley is playful crowley you know adds like a little bit of spice onto the way he does everything like everything he's got that showman vibe to him and, and how can i make that this thing that some people see as a weakness, it's like, oh, you want to, you know, pander to the crowd, but how can I make that dangerous? How can I make me wanting to make something a little bit more shiny and polished in my own way actually lead to a little bit more damage? Um, so like extra rotation and a little bit more momentum in a certain way, specific to the way Crowley moves. I think that's really exciting. And, you know, before lockdown, I wouldn't have been thinking that way. I'd just been like, get from A to B, get the job done safe and, and well. <laughs> You know, so that's really exciting. Yeah, I wonder if like this period um, for a lot of artists in general, not just wrestlers, but for a lot of artists and maybe for all of us in a way have allowed a moment to kind of, um, yeah, like like change or like kind of a, kind of taking stock as to where we are and that what we want to make as creatives. I, like, I feel the same in terms of like um, kind of theatre people that I work with or artists or like visual art, whatever it is, sculptors. And I feel like a lot of people have sort of taken this moment to kind of almost reinvent the thing they're doing, the thing they already love and that they're known for, but reinvent it in some way and come out slight, slightly different or as kind of different character in your case. You know, just, yeah, it's a time of re reflection, isn't it, I guess? It is. And, and I honestly, I mean, before lockdown, I was, from a performance perspective, I always feel like I'm behind because someone else has more, someone else has achieved more. I, you know, I've got that, that it's not a good mindset to have, you know, comparing yourself to other people because you've got your own journey. You've got to uh, compete with yourself. Um, but even then, I, I hold myself at a high standard. So I'm like, ah, you know, that was, that was good. Well done. But how can we do more? Um, and before lockdown, I'm always feeling like, you know, oh, what can I do today? Oh, you know, this hasn't happened yet and all this. And then everyone was forced to stop mm. and, and including myself. And I was like, oh, like at first it was a little bit of a relief. I was like, oh, OK, like I can take like, some weird comfort. You know, it was horrible, you know, not, not a good situation for, for everybody. Um, but at the same time, I was like, there's some comfort knowing that no one else is able to do anything and it's not just me like we're all in this together um so again it allowed me just to relax a little bit and i was like right okay i can actually th see things a lot clearer now and so mm -hmm. projects outside of wrestling uh change I was, I was writing feature film scripts and and they I, I had a massive writer's block and then obviously i could just take a step back and just kind of figure things out and that can change completely so yeah like artistically i bet a, a lot of interesting things have happened over lockdown yeah. um so that's that's one positive. Yeah, yeah definitely. I guess, I think making things like no, sorry, Sam. Just say like making things in like a smaller way as well. Like 
I think like if you're an artist, you've had to kind of have what you have around you. And like even when we're talking about like, do you have a home gym kind of question? Like, like everyone's having to do stuff in their home. So, uh, you know, I think it leads to that sort of way of making where you don't have an enormous stage or you don't have whatever, you know, the things that you would normally have leads to innovation or experimentation that, you know, I think people are doing interesting things via this sort of medium, uh, like, you know, um, well, we'll probably come on to that later on. But yeah, <laughs> talking absolutely. about your projects over the first few. Past yeah, few. I was going to say it feels like a good time to jump into something that was obviously has kept you occupi- occupied during these various lockdowns, which was the um, which was the film. Uh, you're cordially invited. Is that the, is that the full title? I think. Yeah, you're you're cordially invited. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just talk us start by. Um, I was wondering where the idea came from, really. That just just that initial like, um, yeah. So, I mean, the idea to actually to to actually do something and put out some content because I've always kind of wanted to put out content. Like, I remember someone once said to me, like, "Oh, you know what? I really enjoy that you put out promos when you don't even have like a match. It's not even to like advertise a match." And I never really thought of it. <laughs> Because I was like, yeah, you know, of course, like, because, you know, it's, I don't know, it just made sense in my head, because I like putting out content. And, um, you know, why wait for an excuse to put out content and create? Um, And so, yeah, so obviously, uh, lockdown had happened. Um, A lot had happened, especially within British wrestling, like the whole environment was obviously awful, especially after like, um, speaking out, which speaking out was, you know, obviously a good thing, but obviously it comes with this very like negative vibe and, and, and trust has been broken and everyone is no, no, I, I would be surprised if many people were super happy being on, um, you know, social media at that time. Cause that was really, really hard for everybody. Um, especially obviously people that were like directly involved. Um, but actually that's kind of what triggered me to make it in the first place because, I realized that everyone was in a really negative place and to get out of a negative place, isn't just going to happen just like that. Um, a lot of wrestlers, um, didn't want to do this anymore, especially people that have been here longer than me that had known some of these people that are no longer here, um, within, within the business, they know them longer than me. So they're even more feel more betrayed and confused. Um, I didn't want to be here anymore. And I had a moment where I was like, Oh, this does not, what is there to come back to? Why? Like, you know, you wear the pros and cons. Um, but I kind of thought to myself, I had like a day, I think, I don't know what, someone said something and it triggered something in my head. And we're all thinking, oh, we want to leave. And yet there are the people that have been directly affected by speaking out. And they didn't leave during it all when we had no idea and we were blissfully having a good time wrestling they were dealing with it there and then within their own heads not able to use speaking out and now they've had speaking out and they've been able to at least talk about it and 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 and, you know relieve something like you know it's not just in their head they can like you know and that then now and they're still here after all of that and this is a good thing because they're able to talk about it and get it out. And, and you know, this place is now a better environment. And I'm like, how can we leave now? I'm not saying it's not hard for people, you know, 
to be a part of it and watch all this unfold. But at the same time, it's like, how can we go anywhere when, you know, they're still here? And that just shows how much they love this business. And, and of course, it reminds you that we love this business and we want it to be this awesome thing. So what, you know, we've got to, we've got to keep pushing and we've got to pick away at the negativity because that's not going to change. So in my head, I was like, oh, you know what? Like, I've got to do something because shows aren't going to be around. And when they do, when anyone puts out content, it's going to get critiqued harshly because it's a negative environment. And I totally understand that. And I get that. And I'm like, but if people don't, nothing's going to happen. So let's do something. And, and then I just kind of thought, what can I do? I could put a promo out. That might make some people laugh. <laughs> do you know what I mean? All this kind of stuff. And then, and then it was followed up. I was, I was already in like a kind of creative headspace, but I, nothing like you are cordially invited levels. And then someone tweeted saying, when wrestling comes back, there's going to be no stars. Uh, and it was a tweet that got a lot of attention and a lot of, uh, you know, workers were like, uh, hold on a minute. That's not true. And, uh, you know, some workers were like, well, <laughs> we see what you, you know, established people are gone. So we do see it as pros and cons, but it really got me thinking because I could think of so many people easily that are stars or should be. And I was like, oh, how can we just like remind people or put people, put these like wrestlers and faces in front of people again, just to remind people what we have, what we could have, and just, just allow people to see the, these faces again, that they, they love to follow and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. So anyway, I got thinking and I was just kind of like, what can I do? What, what you know, I'm really limited here like you said about like art and having to like think outside or inside this tiny little box. Um, and I thought, you know what, I've got filmmaking experience. What if I make some kind of, you know, and, and filming is legal as well, obviously it's super important. <laughs> um, check one, don't break the law. Um, and I think I was like, so we can film that's legal. Um, what, and looked at the like safety requirements for all this kind of stuff. And it was like, okay, it's legal if it's a professional shoot. And I looked at that and it was a professional shoot. Um, looked at all the requirements, that was fine. And I was like, okay, I can do all this like safety stuff and make it as absolutely as safe as possible. And I, I just thought, screw it. Like, I tell you what, I, I'll put a feeler out there. I'll, um, so I made an Indiegogo crowdfunding campaign. I put that up and I said, if people think you, you know, they'd be interested in this, this, this concept that I won't put too much detail in because at this point it was still like a kind of fresh idea, then I will make it. I will do it. And I asked for, I said, if it gets to 800 pounds, um, upon reflection, far too low. But <laughs> at the time I stuck by it, I was like, because I was like, no, I'm sure I could do that. But then with me, my I'm like, well, what more can I do? What more? And then it snowballs. Um, so, yeah, I kind of, um, I wagged that up. And, and yeah, people get, kept donating. And I was like, I knew it. Like, people want this. People do want this. There are people there that like, even though there's all this negativity, they're like, oh, yeah, but please, we don't want to be negative. But it's hard to get out of that negative space. Um, so I was like, right. I'm doing it. And then obviously I did the costs and I was like, okay, I'm going to have to add some of my own money into this <laughs> to make this actually happen. Even to like cover like expenses of people. Cause that added up. Um, yeah. And then I started planning and um, I wrote a script. 
and uh, I sent, I approached individuals, sent the script out, and um, it kind of snowballed from there. A couple of things I want to sort of pick out from that before we move on to the actual process of making the film itself. Um, I thought it was interesting, the level of the the support and also who was supporting it, because I I literally just watched it um, for the second time before we came on. And um, it was interesting reading the credits because there was loads of names who were obviously people that had donated to the to the fundraiser. And there were names I was like, oh, I, I know these names. These are names that used to come up on resurgence um, attendee lists and things like that and ticket sales. I was like, I know that person. I know that person. Um, so that was nice like to see to see people that were clearly had been important parts of the community and were willing to kind of get behind it. Um, I've noticed that there are... Um you do see the same kind of names popping up that are really very positive people. Um, and they really do care. You can tell, you can tell, you know, you don't have to be, you can still be negative if as, as a positive person, of course you can, but like, you can tell that people are actively like trying to care about the wrestling. Um, and that's really nice. And, um, yeah, I saw a lot of names that popped up that have been very supportive of me when I, you know, early days in my career. And I was like, absolute legends. I'm very grateful to all of them. Um, I've been going around sending like thank you videos like that's still going I'm still trying to like catch up with that because there's quite a lot to do Um, but absolutely happy to do so for that reason and then the second thing was um, the so you said you wrote a script which we'll we'll talk about separately but also that you sent out the script so I wanted to know um, who that that kind of process between of deciding who you wanted to work with like who, who was going to be in this film? Were there people that immediately came to mind? You talked about there being um, these people that had maybe been overlooked as potential future stars and things like that. So, yeah. And, yeah. But particularly like how you saw them in relation to the film. Basically, I want, oh yeah. So I wanted to make sure that the, if, if I'm going to put this much time into something, uh, and obviously this is people's money. You cannot mess around when people are like, here's my money, we, you know, and yes, they're gifting it towards this awesome thing. But I wanted to go out as um, to as, as many people as possible because this is this is made by BritRest in my head. Again, I know what I'm capable of. So I'm if I can get anywhere near that, this is made by BritRest for BritRest. And that is, you know, fairly rare in regards to like, you know, especially like cinematic matches. Like I'd prefer to cause like a cinematic experience or a short film really. But like, you know, when is indie wrestling scene anything like that, you know? And I was like, you know, there's been like certain things like obviously Riptide do cinematic uh, filming uh, in, in a different way, but like, and it's beautiful. And I was like, you know, Indie wrestling, like, I think this will be a really nice thing. So I was like, right, first of all, I need to get it out to as many people as possible. If I can make it that good, that higher quality, it's got to get out to as many people as possible. Therefore, who should I bring in? And I was like, I need people from all over the place uh, that I can, you know, afford to bring in. Um, so my first thought was Session Moth, um, because obviously she's from Ireland. So like, that would be fantastic. And obviously it's Session Moth. And like, she would be absolutely so good at this kind of thing. Um, and then I, so that was the first way of thinking about things. I kind of pick people that all like all around the place. But the, what was really, really important to me is that there's, an, there's a, 
I say I can't iconic. I can't call my own thing iconic. But there's like there's like a shot that I think's iconic because um, it's so lovely and it just kind of the camera like pans back and it reveals everyone stepping into the shot. And I, I had that in my head and I kind of thought every single person needs to be unique. Like everyone has to be different. Um, they have to look different, have a different vibe about them. And that's what this is all about because we're presenting who we've got and all the variation, all these different people and like all the different things we have to offer. It's not just like, oh, don't forget, we've got these few people, this handful. It's like, no, these these people represent everybody else as well. Like there's, there's the different colors, like the different sizes, different personalities. So that was why I chose everybody. And that became like the most... Yes, it, yes, I wanted to get out as many people as possible, but like that was really important to me. And that's why I picked every single individual in it. I think that's what stood out to me about it. I think, um, uh, you know, when I have conversations with people about wrestling, it's often who, who, who aren't involved in wrestling, whatever, it's often seen as being like an almost homogenous thing, or that's what wrestling is. Uh, whether that homogenous thing is like WWE or whether it's like the goth gimmick, you know, like everyone at one point is like everyone was doing goth gimmick. Um, whereas like what struck me and that and I, I understand what you mean about kind of iconic and kind of walking into that scene I think that I was like huh look at, look at all these different people and with really different stories and like wrestling in really different ways so it kind of reminded me of kind of the very as one would call it out the varied artistry of wrestling that actually there is there are so many ways of approaching this form it's not it's not just one way of doing things and, and I, I agree I think that's what stood out for me particularly about about this film yeah thank you and I'm glad because I think a lot of people when it comes to me if, if they don't know me they think oh yeah Crowley clearly thinks wrestling is like it's it's you know far more the entertainment side than anything else you know like sports entertainment all this kind of stuff and sure but that's because that's where my passion and experience come from um i don't actually think it should be just one way i think i i believe more in like i love the idea of um you know like as someone actually mentioned recently the idea of creating you know how there's like a marvel universe like how there's like a Brit rest universe because there is right. And they go to these different places and you know, you know, the wrestlers and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, this is within that universe that we all know. And it's just another way of presenting it. And like, you know, people can't, you know, sure. If you, you can like it, you can don't like it. And that's absolutely fine. But the whole point is it's presented as like, you know, here, this is legit. He's going up to a tent. Once you're in that tent, anything can happen do you know what I mean like and it's just it's just yeah yeah it's just I wanted to entertain in my own way and I think there's definitely a place for that kind of presentation within wrestling yeah and, it, and without dwelling on this too much like I think on a personal note it was what really got me when I watched it it was like these are it wasn't because I've, I've watched wrestling during the pandemic I've watched some of the stuff in America that's been going on um, but I haven't watched anything that I've felt any real kind of emotional attachment to. And then, like you say, like Claire says, this moment, which she called iconic, where the, with the cast walk in. And it's like, these are people that, for the most part, I know. They're, they're, they're people that I, you know, kind of consider friends, colleagues. And that was what hit me, like, when I first started. I was like, oh, the, the, I'm genuinely invested because I know and I like all of these people. And they're all really super talented. And it's like, 
as soon as that moment happens, I, I, I know I can sit back and watch and enjoy this. I'm immediately like at ease and I'm ready to see what the, what the hell you've come up with, basically. Yeah, and I think that's really important for me to just throw in there quickly. Every one of these people I believe to be a good person. Like massively, obviously, like they are such good people and they were on the day as well. Like, and, um, oh, they were absolutely incredible. And it was interesting because, you know, I'm, I was very aware that I was working with wrestlers, not actors that are used to, you know, these slightly more specific, detailed, minute movements for camera when the camera's right in your face. And, you know, they're used to talking to someone in the back of the room. Um, but the camera's right here. Do you know what I mean? So I was like, okay, this could be interesting and they're not used to this experience, but everyone was so on it and they were, everyone was very respectful because, you know, like I say to people, I was probably the least, in fact, I was definitely the least experienced wrestler um, on that set. Um, And I'm aware of that and I'm fine with that. And that's why I give like creative control to each of these people. I said, look, you've got this section, you can do, what you'd like to do here, as long as it's in these confines and maybe I might tweak a few things. Mm. Uh, And people knew that I did have that experience in regards to filmmaking, directing and producing. And there was just a a great respect on set. Everyone was like following the guidelines set and uh, it was a really, really lovely atmosphere. Um, Yeah, some some really interesting things that I want to pick up on. Um, I guess there's, there's kind of three things, which is the... Firstly, I want to talk about the script because um, obviously that's the framework in which all of this performance takes place. Um, but then also after, maybe we'll talk about that and then maybe we'll talk about some of the sort of stylistic um, elements because there's a lot of kind of um, interesting references to other forms of kind of storytelling and filmmaking and things like that, which I think we, we can both talk into. Mm. Um, and uh, so, yeah, on the script, um, you, this is a completely different approach to typical wrestling. So as someone who works uh, for wrestling, you know, wrestling resurgence, as a booker, um, promoter, our framework is the event and the card and the, the matches, the live experience. This, is, this has a completely different framework for wrestling. So could you talk a little bit about that process of scripting and how you came up with, like you, you just mentioned how you had sections where wrestlers um, could do their own thing and things like that. Just talk about, yeah, how that, how that kind of framework came about, how the script came about and that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, because I knew that, you know, I'd be working with wrestlers and it was, you know, just me producing, I thought to myself, I want to keep the, the structure of this pretty simple and, and especially like the story, like, you know, and, and simplicity is not a bad thing sometimes because it allows you to do an even more higher quality job with what you've got. Um, and I think for this, it worked really well, I think. So basically, I wanted the premise to be there's a reason why everyone gets together and then there's this really creative giant brawl, full stop. I was like, this is my idea. How can I make this interesting and how can I give it a narrative? So people have something to follow, um, invest in. How can I introduce these faces? How can I, you know, a huge part of wrestling is the surprise factor, you know, and how can I give that to people? And that's where the marketing came in, which I enjoyed very much because it got people talking. That was really fun. Um, But when it came to the script, um, you know, the, I just had this idea that, right. Okay. This is, this is Crowley's thing. So, 
this is going to be crazy. This is going to allow me to present wrestling in a way that, and, and, and do things and, and, you know, visually that you, you can't or would struggle to do in the ring in a live performance, you know, this is film, not theater. So I was like, right. Okay. There's, there's things I can do here that a lot of people can't. Um, but to make it believable, you know, I, I, I'm, I've kind of weirdly obsessed with me- when on paper, I show someone an idea and they go, ah, that's, that's probably not going to work. I don't seen that happen much. And I'm like, yeah, but that's why I want to make it work. And that's why, like, if, if, if I can make, people relate to something that they shouldn't be able to that's so awesome that's the beauty of film you go in and you're just lost you're invested in these characters so that's why within the script i put this little tent there and the moment you go into the tent it's almost like i can do anything i want this is crowley's world there's there's, it's already introduced this little bit of kind of like you don't need it's wrestling you you just just suspend disbelief is you know is the phrase yeah um you know, and I'm just like, you know what? The answer's magic. So once he's in the, the tent, so much stuff can happen. Um, so we, you know, as you know, we, we follow Elijah, someone that is insanely talented. And in, in 2021 is, is going to, when things start running again, is going to do so well. And uh, I'm so glad we could follow his journey as this kind of almost the underdog, because people know he's good, but, more people just need to know he's good. So we follow him and it's this underdog story. He goes in there. We follow his journey. It gives someone, everybody to latch onto and relate to. Um, and yeah, and you know, he, he was so good because his reactions to everything were fantastic. Anyway, we're talking about the script. I could talk about Elijah all day. He's great. Um, but yeah, and you know, the premise was quite simple. He comes in into this really strange place. We've established that it's a kind of magical place. So things can happen, uh, allows us to have more fun. And then Crowley just pops out and says, right, here are the rules. I've brought you all together. I, I, I mentioned the year. I mentioned how the year has been rubbish. I mentioned how none of us have been able to do what we love. And, you know, as, as a fan myself, we all are. That's so true. We all want to watch this. We all want to see this. We're all in the same boat. The wrestlers are in the same boat. So, you know, it's a nice relatable moment for everybody. Um, and then Crowley says, look, all, the, all you need to know is last wrestler standing goes into 2021 a winner. And then it's like, go. And there's absolute chaos. And I just knew that I was hoping by that point, when the music hits and there's this clash, people are just watching like, what the hell is this? Because I didn't want anyone to be expecting this. I didn't want anyone to be like, I think I know what Crowley's going to present to us. And by this point, they've just seen him crawl into this tiny tent. A monkey has like asked for his name. Like it's just super, super fun. And it's done well. So like in such a way that, you know, people can't help but like appreciate that this is something new. And I was watching the YouTube live stream as well. And the comments were, oh, it made me so happy because I was watching it with them. And they were like, Elijah walked up to the tent and said nothing yet. And someone said, I already think this is fucking amazing. And I was like, this has made me so happy. Um, anyway, yeah. So, you know, so the script was pretty simple in that sense. It's like we follow someone's journey and there's a big brawl and it's just kind of like, little tiny stories within that. So like Crowley and Bobby have like a mini feud. We kind of pushed that on, on Twitter and had a back and forth um, and just little things in there, little surprises from people. Um, 
and yeah, it just came down to um, who was the last person standing. But you know, no spoilers. But it might have been rigged. <laughs> uh, Claire, do you want to uh, kick us off with, with your thoughts in terms of uh, the stylistic kind of elements to the to the film and things like that? The... Yeah, I. So one of the things that I really liked. About, so there's loads of things I really liked about this film. I should put out that out there first of all, but. It, the, the combination of aesthetics I thought was really interesting. So on the one hand, like when going into that tent for the first time with Elijah, I was like, I was thinking, oh, like Alice in Wonderland or like, you know, it had the, it had kind of Doctor Who TARDIS kind of thing. So it, so it reminded me of so many kind of popular culture references that I, um, you know, I was thinking, oh, it's, you know, it's bigger on the inside than just on the outside. Like those, those sorts of, those sorts of things. Um, and, and so you had that aesthetic, and then you had this sort of um, all, almost kind of tip, one could call kind of typical Brit res kind of aesthetic as well. The kind of the the, the bar and the kind of the darks, like so. It reminded me of all those places that we've watched British wrestling over the years, and you know the from the kind of you know the. The, the 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 small halls to the kind of working men's clubs to the like all these sorts of little venues so I was just really interested in this kind of almost like juxtaposition of kind of the magical with the very real like the you know the the kind of I could almost like the, there was a scene where you, where it cuts to like session moth Martina with a beer in her hand I think it was probably a beer in her hand probably no her a beer in her hand and and I could almost like feel the stickiness of the floor I'm not sure if you know what I mean but like when you walk into a place and you're like oh yeah like I, that that feeling is not something that any of us have experienced like this year because we've not been into a place with a sticky floor for a while not that I necessarily feel nostalgic for that but there's a sense of the sense of like um what, what I'm going to call kind of tactility about it like a kind of touch like I could almost feel the space so yeah I, I maybe I'm going too much into this but I, I felt I knowing you I would imagine that you were thinking about those the way those two things work together and yeah yeah, well, there, so there's two things that instantly come to mind with that. One is the sound design that was um, done mm -hmm. by um, a wrestler called Frankie Vegas. And um, he is very, very good. And when you say you can like feel the stickiness, that's probably because he put a sound in there that I would never notice. Like, <laughs> it's insane. He'd, be, he'd, he'd like play something to me in the edit and he'd be like, you hear that? And I'd be like, well, I'm sorry, play it again. And he'd like play it and he'd be like, pretty cool right and i'm like I, I, i'm sorry man you're gonna have to tell me what what i'm listening to and um for an example there was one bit where um Cara noir threw lycos into people and actually if you listen really really closely there's the sound of like bowling pins falling um down and i hadn't didn't hear it and he was like pretty cool right and i was like that's actually incredible and i but it's like subconscious, you know, like it's immersive because of that. So he was, he's very good. Um, so that's an aspect of that. The other thing is that I was very particular with what, um, how we shot certain bits. So all the bits that I wanted to be grittier and busy and chaotic are all handheld. Um, because again, you're watching it and, and it's almost like, cause that's realistic. You know, you move your eye, your head moves as you, as you look at things. Um, so again, it's, it's relatable. It, it's, it's a little bit more immersive. So when there's all these brawls, you'll see it's all kind of like handheld, unless I wanted it to be like an aesthetically pleasing moment, like a sequence, because that's me saying like, here's, here's the, the wrestling that you miss, like portraying wrestling. Um, that would be on a gimbal. Um, 
So I use that that's much smoother because then we can literally move and like the cinematic, like the beauty of wrestling is here. It's like, and, and I did my very best with some of those to make them um, one shot because again, wrestling on live show, you know, it is all live. And I wanted to make sure that it was just one sequence. Um, and a perfect example of that. And I remember my um, cameraman, bless him, the gimbal guy, he was like, can we please cut this into like, two or three and I was like no and it was um Cara Noir's um appearance in it um I said to him I was like everything Cara Noir does has to be on gimbal it has to be on gimbal because that's the whole point of Cara Noir everything has to be fluid everything has to be pristine and beautiful and I was and that's so when when you know he jumps off the stage and he's like, right, I'm here. Let's go. That is all one shot coming back and forth. My poor cameraman jumping back and, you know, and there was a lot of takes of that. Poor Gene uh, got a chop to the chest that was very hard every single time. Um, thoroughly enjoyable to watch back in the edit. Um, but, you know, and, and, and then we got that and it was so worth it. And then he and it goes straight into his um, sequence with Elijah and then once the um, the big shock happens uh, momentarily, you know, moments after, then you'll find that it's absolutely all handheld and almost a little bit out of focus at times on purpose and erratic and because it's just, you know, everything would be at that point. Yeah, that's really, that's really interesting. There were, um, one of the things I really liked was the content, like the, the amount of wrestling content in there as well, which... Um, I think a lot of the kind of bigger budget cinematic wrestling that we've been subjected to um, in the, in these various lockdowns has kind of fallen down on that count for me. Like there's a lot of the WWE stuff, which I actually quite liked and enjoyed, but my main criticism would be like, Oh, well, there's not enough wrestling. Like this just looks like an action film. And I was thinking a lot about this is, and this is all the second time I watched it. Um, I was thinking a lot about like how, wrestling is kind of just better than fighting in action films. I was like, this, this feels real, realer because obviously it, it has an element of, of realness that um, simulated combat in a film, I guess, I guess doesn't have. Um, you know, there, there is actual impacts, there are actual strikes. Um, and that just really worked. Um, and and it's, it was interesting that you said you used, deliberately used those longer shots to show all of those sequences so that, you know, that wrestling content is still there and still central to the, yeah, because film. it should be like the idea of like all these close ups and like, you know, it could be like, um, you know, a Transformers film where there's like action going on and all you see is like clashing of metal and you're like, what is going on? You can't appreciate that. Like you just get confused. And like, the, I, I, I mean, I, I love just shots where I, I quite like a nice wide shot because I like it's like a painting and it's just come to life and you can just watch it. And it's completely up to the performers. And obviously I'm going to rely in every single person on every single person within that film because they're all so talented. And so when it comes to that, it's like, why would I not show all of this in its entirety? Because like you say, wrestling compared to like a fight scene in a film is more aesthetically pleasing. Like we have the control, like a fight is, is supposed to be scrappy and sometimes wrestling is. And there's, there's moments for that, <clears throat> but we have that choice. We have that creative choice and um, wrestling is so aesthetically pleasing. And it's just, like I said, especially when um, Cara Noir takes a lot of pride in that. And that's why those shots need to be on a gimbal. That's why it needs to just 
allow people to show people that this is all like actually happening. And that's why you're totally right. You know, other cinematic matches, they're just, you don't really, I can't think of one that it's all just, like you say, it's all just like kind of things happening, but I really wanted to get some wrestling in there because obviously, because I'm a wrestling fan and I, and I love it and I want to see it. And what I was thinking, you know, what would I want to see as well, obviously. So, yeah. I think there's something interesting there. Sorry, Sam, I'm cutting in, but there are bazillion things that I want to talk about. Like, uh, one of the really interesting things about this is to to kind of take your word immersive, which I think it absolutely is really immersive. But then I go, huh, but yeah, you're using wide, like wide shots, and yet you're still maintaining this sense of like immersion where I feel part of it. I think that's like one of the kind of great. yeah one of the great strengths of this film really because I totally agree with you my one of my absolute pet hates in action films is when I'm so close in on the action that I literally have no idea what's going on and all I see is clashing stuff and it just drives me nuts because I can't I'm like pull back I don't you know just because you want to immerse me and it doesn't mean to say that I have to be the piece of metal that you're smashing like actually you can step back a bit I still feel immersive and for me that's one of the one of the things I sort of took away from the film really is that I felt really in it Mm-hmm. And I think part of that's because we know these guys, or part of it, but actually the whole aesthetic of it meant I felt in it, and there was a reality to it, which I really liked, with, uh, kind of coupled with this magic, but also that I wasn't, like, kind of bombarded by n- noise and stuff, that I, I, I could take that step back and yet still feel in it. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I'm necessarily making loads of sense, but I feel like that was one of the real strengths of that film, the way that you played around with that. Yeah, no, it absolutely makes sense, because, like, like, the Transformers example, it's like, who's winning? Like, if, if, you, if you can't follow the story, what's the point? I mean, don't get me wrong, there's a place for um, kind of uh, making it so intense that you, you actually plan to confuse somebody and, and it's like overwhelming because it's like, ah, you know, because if you want them to be overwhelmed, then sure. But, you know, I, I, I want it to be people to be overwhelmed in, in, a, in a way, but not in that sense, not in a confusing way. I wanted it to be pretty clear that this was crazy rather than confused about what's going on. Yeah, no, it's really, that's some really interesting stuff there. I want to throw a few different um, sort of stylistic uh, reference, references that I kind of picked up on um, to see whether they sort of chime with what you were, what you were intending. Um, some of them are a bit odd. So the, the, the firstly, <laughs> uh, the second time I watched it, one of the things I couldn't help but think was like, this is a John Lewis advert for Britress. <laughs> okay all right <laughs> like it had that kind of uh it had the quality you know the film quality but it also tugged on heartstrings as well it's like yeah your speech at the start you kind of take a look back i think you maybe it was the bit where you're laying out the snacks and you sort of take a take a look back at this thing that you've created and you're almost like welling yeah. up I was yeah. like, you could cut, and actually Car Noir as well, you know, the, obviously Car Noir, incredibly cinematic. But you could cut elements of that and have like a John Lewis wrestling advert, I think. Yeah, um, absolutely. Because again, it, it's, it's because, you know, wrestling follow, follows like a story and it's all like, it can get like really sad at points and like you, you get people invested. That's the beauty of wrestling. Um, and it, within that, like, you know, the speech was really, it's to, it's to get across the point of like the story. But within that, it's also coming from a place where I was hoping that these words reflect how everyone's feeling. We just want to see wrestling. We all want to wrestle. We're all so frustrated. It's been crap. Let's edge forwards. And 2021's around the corner. Let's go into it as, as a winner. Do you know what I mean? That kind of thing. Um, 
and obviously the idea that everyone jokes that Brit Rest is dead and like Brit Rest is nothing. So I was like, that's that's the message is like, oh yeah, Brit Rest is dead. And yeah, yeah, sure. Maybe literally you watch this, you may think that, but obviously the irony is that in doing so, we've created this amazing thing with all these amazing, creative, talented, good people. That sums it up. Um, but I do see what you mean, um, especially with um, Kara's, when his music seeps into the absolute chaos. I mean, that's... Oh, like oh, it sounds so cheesy but that that gave me chills saying it and it gave me chills editing it because there's so many layers to that there we are watching absolute chaos by this point it has just gone insane everyone you know we've lost it like we've lost the the story the plot there's nothing it's just going crazy and there's that's a point for that and then his music slowly seeps in this beautiful music that we associate with this very aesthetically pleasing person in every way um <laughs> That's a nice compliment for him if he's listening. Um, he does and, and, he does listen to this podcast as well. So, yeah. I'm in big trouble. Is he going to hear about the pepper? I I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, and 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 it's a, a reminder because obviously he he was a, a secret, and people again on YouTube they lost it, and it's this overwhelming kind of the shock factor, the happiness of again another reminder of who we have, um, you know, and and. I'm sure he wants to be, but whether he wants to be or not, he's the, he's the top guy and, and he's a good guy and he's a very talented guy. And, and, and we've got that. And I don't want to put too much pressure on him, but it's all up to him. Um, no, but, but it's a, it's a lovely reminder of this kind of like the beauty of wrestling appearing and the chaos is here. And yes, he's here to add more chaos, but it's beautiful chaos, like constructed chaos. Um, and that's just such a lovely moment. And then when the camera rises and his wings pop up, oh, it's so, so good. And then Gene brings us out of it by saying, oh, shit. <laughs> and then it all kicks off. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and then the second, uh, the other kind of elements of sort of, um, I guess, stylistic things, uh, and this is something that we've talked about before, Claire and I, in various different conversations on this podcast and outside of this podcast is this um, connection between Britress and this sort of history of British surrealist humour and comedy. And um, I'm thinking of, you know, from Python through to the Mighty Boosh, uh, to Vic and Bob, this kind of, we've talked, we talked about this in particular with Gene Money on, on a recent episode. And it had, um, it had a lot of elements of like that. So I wondered whether you could just talk about some of the, like the, some of the comedy, um, is it a lot, I think at the end, Elijah gets blown up and it's just his shoes left. And smoking, which just feels very kind of British comedy, kind of. Yeah, I don't know whether that resonates with you. Oh, it resonates with me. I'm just, I'm. It's an interesting one. I wonder if I'll be able to answer this. Um, well, because uh, well, I think one one question I would have was how much of that is in how much of that was a really intentional uh, thing, or how much of it kind of just manifests from the fact that this there's, there's so many characters in that story that you're telling that that play and resonate with that sort of genre so like gene i, I think of in those terms Sessionmoff, i think is another classic of, of kind of although obviously he's irish but that sort of british kind of humor yeah absurd kind of comedy um Ch mambo to an extent as well um yeah yeah well, I just, I like, I like humor that's self-aware. Like, I just think if you, cause there's a lot of people that maybe do something that on paper is dumb or immature. And if you're not self-aware about it, you're kind of like, it, it, it's so obvious, but like, if it's done with like a purpose, 
it's so much funnier. And I think just being self-aware of who we are, again, I'm highlighting the characters. So Mambo, like the way he speaks and everything is so happy and positive. And, and then he does this horrific murder. And, and it's so comical in itself. I, I like dark comedy because it's like, it's so true to like Mambo. <laughs> and it, I don't know, that just really cracks me up. Mambo's a really interesting bloke. Like he really is like that. And um, he's, he's, so, he's so unique and like quirky, which is why like the Simpsons reference uh, of, of him, you know, going off to his own planet, like that's funny. Again, it's self-aware. Um, Session Moth turning into alcohol because she drinks too much. It's like, this is what I feel like this is the kind of thing that people are going to want to see because they're like, oh, you know, even really sim- people that don't know her are going to be like, oh, she's the one that's drinking all the beer. Oh no, she's drunk. She loves beer too much. This has happened. And like those that, that, do know her very well they're seeing something to do with her that they haven't seen before which is always refreshing because you know it's always like how can we do what we know works but in a new way and keep it fresh and i was like here we've got an opportunity to really keep everything super fresh um so yeah i mean the humor was all kind of focused around the individuals but i love that kind of humor i just love ridiculous i quite like uh, carefully Things that seem random, but are placed there on purpose. I like British awkward humor. I like awkward pauses. So like me slapping Bobby and going, teehee, as I like skip off, to me is hilarious. And fortunately, that came across. And I think, you know, if you're creating something and you are really passionate about it, um, that passion is going to come through and people are going to relate. Even if it might not be their humor, they can see why it's there and you can't help but, but laugh. Yeah. Claire, any thoughts on that? No, I, I, I agree. I, I, I think the surrealist humour is really, really strong in BritRes generally, actually. And I can, you know, we have spoken about this a lot on the podcast, but I, I think this, there's, I, I kind of pick up your idea of like the silliness of it, like, um, and, and the sort of juxtaposition of, of kind of the unexpected, I think is often what happens in, in British wrestling generally, where we go, oh, you know that's funny because I wasn't expecting that to happen and I think that's that you capture that really well in the film actually there are moments where you're like oh like and actually also capture kind of one of the things that again with 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 a kind of surrealist hat on like you know there's a lot of um kind of surrealist almost horror like you know um and and you played around with that quite a lot and I found that I was like oh like you know you made me do that which is not what I was expecting when I went into this film I have to say so um I think you played around with, and that's almost like that's almost a European surrealism not actually a British surrealism like you, there's that sense of um kind of it, its connection with kind of the the body and strangeness and and kind of al- almost bodily destruction and those sorts of things, which you really, I felt like you really played around with as well. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I absolutely I did. And, and to me, I'm like, but what a journey, right? Like you go in there and, and you see a very real field or a very real little tent and that you're, you're, this is, you're establishing the scene, right? And we're establishing what, what we're watching. And then he goes to the tent and that already changes to some extent. So people's minds are going to expand. They're like, whoa, hold on. He's not wearing his gear. Eli- we're following Elijah. We relate to Elijah. Elijah is us in this. So like he comes out, he's not wearing, we're like, oh, he's confused. Everything Elijah thinks, you know, throughout his like main journey is what we should be thinking. That was my plan. Um, and yeah, and then, you know, obviously it gets pretty crazy and there's there's like this, it gets just dark because I again, I like dark comedy, but it gets darker and darker. Um, and, and again, watching the YouTube live stream at that point, it's so funny. It really made me laugh because everyone was really vocal. Everyone was typing loads. 
And then this big thing happened that was quite violent. Nothing. And it was so funny to me because I knew, because I was waiting to see how people react, but also I just knew people were like, <gasps> like they didn't know what to say because this, they're like, okay, we know these people. Okay, they're having a brawl. This is relatable. They're having a, this, oh, what an awesome like back and forth they've just had and all this kind of stuff. And they're like, okay, so now they're in here and there's this been this beautiful slow-mo bit with Session Moth and all this kind of stuff. Um, yeah, and then it just gets absolutely, absolutely crazy that you're not going to see in the ring, not in the same way anyway. And, and you're taken on and even like, you know, so that's another emotion thrown in there. I really didn't want this to be just, you know, imagine if I just put up like a glorified show and we just watch matches like that would not be that would be amazing. That would be so nice to see some wrestling and all this kind of stuff. But I can't, you know, I knew that I was going to do something so different from that. And I knew that in 2021, there will be loads of amazing creative shows when that, that actually, because we're, there's less restrictions, that can actually be capitalized on. And I was like, I won't be able to capitalize on that as much as I want to right now. This I can. So yeah, it allowed me to, to really kind of include loads of things to hopefully appeal to as many people as possible. Yeah, I did wonder, so I had a, a couple of questions in terms of like decisions that you made about the film. So like uh, the decision not to have a ring, because um, obviously it's the core for Darms, which is um, the, the home of good wrestling. Um, so for, for fact, you know, people that know good wrestling, um, they will have been aware of that fact. Um, and yeah, so what, the decision not to have a ring, why, why did you go with that? Um, quite simply because... First of all, I thought it was a little bit limiting because it mean because I, I instantly wanted like if it's chaotic, it, you know, it leaves the ring. Right. In wrestling, they leave the ring. They're like, ah, oh, no, this isn't part of the sport. This isn't the sporting side anymore. You're not supposed to leave the ring. You know, imagine if two boxers left the ring. You'd be like, what? the What is going on? So, like, I quite like the idea that it's out of the ring. Also, it reflects uh, the environment and, I, and it, it reflects like. That this is this is I mean it's run by Crowley. Crowley's dodgy. Crow Crowley is just kind of like you know oh yeah uh, you know I can put on this amazing show I'm spectacular and all this kind of stuff. Paints himself in this incredible way, but actually in his truest, rawest form, he's like dirty, gritty, kind of like figuring it out as he goes along, kind of thing. But he's just like so obsessed with this kind of spotlight. So it's kind of it's all painted lovely. And when they get there, they're in this kind of like little dark room, and they're like what. I should, you know, I should have known this was going to happen. And sure, hey, a spectacle does happen, but in Crowley's way. So I think, you know, the fact that they're all there and there's no ring and it just helps the, the vibe that there's no limits. It's almost, almost slightly dystopian because wrestling hasn't been around for ages. The vibe is kind of like, we haven't, do you remember back in this year when there was wrestling? I, you know, I haven't seen that in a while. And I'm like, I collect everybody here. Um, and I'm like, hey, you remember that you can do it again. It's not not quite the same. We haven't got the same things we can use. We haven't got rings. We haven't got shows that there's no, there's no crowd right now, but I will make this for you. And if you do that, I'll get it out to people and you can do what you love. So that was the thought behind no ring. I think dystopian is such an interesting word to use. Cause I, I I've been, it's a word that I haven't used to reference this film, but now realize I totally should have done. And now you've just clarified it for me because like, so there's something about the fact there's no crowd and and there's no attempt to pretend to be a, 
for there to be a crowd, if that makes sense. They're not, not kind yeah. of piping in claps and we've not got screens all around our massive stadium or any of those sorts of things. We've just got these people. And, and I think the dystopian feel to me, like um, it was the lack of other people there. It was just these, it's almost as if like everyone else in the entire universe had died. And, and these were the remnant. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, do you know what I mean? This is this kind of interesting moment to, to, to go with. But that's how now, once you've said that, I'm like, of course, that's that's what's going on here. It feels like these were the people left over. I was going to say after a pandemic, but we don't need to go with that at the moment, do we? But like, this is these are the people left over after the. Yeah, but, yeah. but that, and it's more like, you know, that people joking saying Britrest is dead. And I'm like, whoa, here's a reminder of these incredible people that yeah. we still got. Now I'm going to make sure Brewers is dead proper, like in Crowley's way. Do you know what I mean? But like, it's like, here's a reminder. And then it is that dystopian vibe of like, it's almost like I told you so. Yeah. Um, yeah. It kind of works with your earlier reference to Doctor Who as well, Claire. Like, it, yeah, it, right. yeah, it made me think about that again, actually. Um, yeah, and particularly and under Steve Moffat. So mm. the, the series with, um, particularly when, prior to Peter Capaldi playing Doctor Who, who's the, I can't remember who played him, but that that kind of iteration of Doctor Who, there was, I thought there was a lot of similarities there. Yeah, was it Matt Smith, the one before? Yeah, Matt Smith. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like, yeah. like almost like this, you know, the, the Doctor would turn up at this, this uh, you know, a, a pub, an em, em, empty pub with eight people trapped in it. It's almost like the plot of a Doctor Who episode, right, yeah. in a way. Love that. <laughs> Which would probably make you Doctor Who, right? I think. <gasps> love it even more <laughs> yeah i'll take that um i just throw a few um quick fire uh, like other things that came to mind when i watched it the second time sure um one of them was like video games i thought there was a real kind of um a bit of a kind of video game vibe particularly at the start that kind of beat em up like techany kind of thing like particularly elijah walking through that into that tent and then i love that scene where everyone's sort of just warming up and like big guns joe's doing press-ups with um Lycos 2 just kind of sat nonchalantly like on, on top of him. And it had a real kind of like those clips that you see before a beat-em-up game starts where the fighters are kind of getting ready. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I really like that. Yeah, there's um, there was definitely a bit of a game element because it is that kind of like it's introducing the characters. It's also, that's the bit where you're like, oh yeah, them, oh and them, oh I remember them, I've seen them and all this kind of stuff. So every single view of someone's face, Gene coming in going, hey up, like would have popped so many people because like yes gene money do you know what i mean so like every single one of those and i totally agree is like character select like i even did a have a and i was like maybe in the marketing i can have like who do you think is going to win have like you know when you select your character on a game um but my um yeah like so there is definitely that aspect and also i, I really do like the whole um video game vibe because video games are an escape and you know what is wrestling so it's it's another world a world that you allow yourself to once you're in this is this is what's happening and you know the people outside of it may be like well i don't understand it's like well come on in we'll show you um and the video games are again this this escape so um there is a lot of similarities there yeah and then the final one was just um and i don't know whether it was partly the 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 um close the credits the music for the credits the japanese um rock but that then made me think um a lot about like anime and manga and i was like oh okay, okay yeah and and also that the anime and manga has that there's a, a weird similarity with the surrealist british stuff that we talked about like there's that kind of 
absurd humor in, in in a lot of anime and manga yeah the absurd the absurdity in regards to the comedy is a massive thing in those again i love um love a bit of anime and the violence in anime again is something so violence in anime is something that that's the beautiful thing about anime it you almost don't expect to see it because it's like you know cartoons animation but but they can show it in a way that you cannot show in real life like they have so much more that they can do that you can't do when you're filming um so i kind of wanted to get a little bit of that across plus i'm not gonna lie i thought the absurdity of just seeing like after all this Elijah's so happy so relieved he's just gone through hell and he's the one the one we've been following he's he survived then bang (laughs) his boots fall dead silence just staring at these boots as they singe and then really happy Japanese anime music bursts in and to me that's hilarious so (laughs) like again the contrast of this like oh my god that's what's happening and, and silence is beautiful silence is one of my favorite things in film and everyone's dead silent and then it just smashes out of this japanese thing with this gold writing as if like ta-da like crowley's like oh yeah this great show and it's just being chaos and absurdity and and, and everyone's just like kind of left like what did i just watch and then crowley's like did you like it <laughs> which to me i think is hilarious and, and a very fitting way to end it yeah, like a, and and also the swerve, the swerve, which was um, you mentioned, like wanting to have elements of wrestling, like key elements of wrestling. And um, one of the things when we we spoke to Spike Trevay fairly recently, and he kind of considers the swerve as as w- almost the most important thing in wrestling. So it was nice to have that kind of little swerve at the end as well, just to finish it off. Absolutely, I love the idea of um, you know convince like lulling people into a false sense of security in like a fun way because it's just kind of like again just again when you're watching wrestling and you're like oh i didn't see that happening didn't see that happening and you just you're like right okay well you've seen you know you don't expect any more and then something else happens because again you know all all the workers are fans that's why you do this you you love this you love this sport or entertainment whatever you want to call it you love it you're passionate about it and the people watching it no matter who you are you want to someone said to me recently like have you lost the love for watching wrestling because you know so much about the ins and outs of it and i'm like no but i understand what you mean because you kind of like you 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 take it apart and you watch it in a different way but you you still you still find me going like oh what what (laughs) how did they do that and this was just my version of that basically so yeah i totally agree and claire any kind of final thoughts on the film before uh um, no, I think I think you summed it up perfectly. Just as you were just as you were talking, I had a, a very. I think it's because you mentioned the Simpsons. I had a moment where I was like, "Oh, this is like Hitchy and Scratchy," and it's a little bit like Hitchy and Scratchy, yeah. like you know, this sort of um, yeah, like kind of almost lovable characters who like I suppose wrestling's about. Like I say it's kind of lovable characters who smash each smash each other to bits, and 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 it did have that kind of comedic I, I was thinking about particularly with reference with your reference to kind of anime and violence and 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 that just and again I feel like that that's a similar sort of thing where you have these sorts of incredibly violent images and yet they're done within a context that just makes them different like makes make you know makes them funny sometimes or like at least kind of 
kind of um worry worryingly funny if you know what I mean like um like you're laughing you're thinking oh should I be laughing at this guy whose head is exploded or should I like you know, this, you know that sort of feeling so um, yeah like I think I think that the use of the use of that relationship with with the way that you use violence and the way that it's often used in popular culture more generally I just thought was really interesting oh awesome thank you yeah 2020 was chaotic it, it you know it's completely chaotic so like it would be silly not to I, I mean, I didn't really touch upon it. I kind of went all in, but like you know, it, you've got to reflect that in in some way within the yeah. film. I felt so. I think I felt like it was very appropriate to end that way. But in doing so, like I said before, it's it's also a really positive thing because it was done in such a way that it's like very entertaining, very very like fun. Like, yes, very like graphic, but like to the point where it's even more like unexpected and yeah, the entertaining side of it. So. Yeah, I'm quite interested actually in, in what in what you've just described, Claire, and also thinking about the violence in manga again, in that um in manga and also in a lot of um Japanese film that's has that kind of ultra violence, there's a kind of um there's there's a sort of treatment of violence in in a way that makes it beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um the over exaggeration of blood, whilst gruesome, does have the way it's often shot and presented in anime and film is, is quite um, aesthetically kind of rich, if you know what I mean. And there's actually, there's some, that's actually quite interesting in terms of wrestling because wrestling is the sort of um, aesthetics of suffering, isn't it? It's that kind of, a lot of the beauty in wrestling comes, well, it's all violent, violence orientated. Um, which is something I'd never thought about until this conversation, which is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is the thing, like, I, I could have filmed those in such a way where the deaths are actually um, I could have made people way more sad if I wanted to, but that wasn't the intention, like, cause that wasn't the intention of the film. So therefore it would be, um, you know, I wanted to take people on a journey, like an emotional journey. Sure. Um, but like, I could have made that a lot more realistic uh, in regards to death, but it would have been way too much. It would have been like, Oh, Crowley brought us up just to completely bring us down. And that was anything but the attention. Like, so when I like uh, rip Big T's heart out, you know, there's like spurts of blood constantly going on my face and I've got this really intensity and it's, and it's just much more satisfying that way because it's like, you're within this world. That's why the tent is there. That's why they crawl into the tent. It allows me to do anything in this world. And in this world, this is reality. And again, it's like wrestling. You go into the wrestling world, you sit there, you're watching, you're in this reality. So you can just enjoy it for what it is. Did, was there any, ever a moment where you, thought that it would end in in more traditional wrestling terms or was it always that you wanted to take it to that next level and have that kind of you know over sensationalized kind of violence you didn't think at all that to end it on pinfalls or anything like that that would have been more of a traditional wrestling kind of yeah Brit rest is dead is thrown around so much um so that was always my intention creatively to to kind of be like okay fine fine if Brit rest is dead i'm going to show you that Brit rest is dead and obviously in doing so is anything but it's incredibly ironic like how can you say Brit rest is dead when you've just watched what you've watched full of so many people so i always had that in mind that somehow it was just going to end terribly that plus obviously Crowley and who he is and what he's about it just makes sense for it to kind of go wrong in some in some form but still work out um so that was always there um I think I I probably initially did imagine um a few more pinfalls and such but um 
it's tricky because because of the budget and and because of the um covid restrictions and because of getting people over hotels travel i couldn't have a any longer shoot um so i had to like kind of limit limit the script and all this kind of stuff so it would be nice to get more wrestling in but i i was also very happy to have a film that is 23 minutes long leaving people wanting more yeah and i think that's really important because then you know hey if people you know push for something similar in maybe a year's time then maybe i can you know consider it and then you know if there's the want for that then maybe that can happen i mean if you make it an annual occurrence then it is literally the john lewis advert of brit rest isn't it, do it. <laughs> it is the john lewis advert of every year before christmas um <laughs> Yeah, I want to, so I kind of want to start drawing to an end. Um, and I'm aware that because it's so interesting, we've talked mainly about the film and not particularly about you. Um, but I was just wondering um, your reflections on maybe, or maybe your hopes for the future. Um, it kind of felt 2019 was the year, obviously it was the full year before the, before the plague. Um, you'd worked with us, I think, from around June a lot of that was starting to kind of culminate or not culminate necessarily, but really kind of step up a level when, when the pandemic hit. Um, yeah. What's just your thoughts on where you were in that, you know, that process of 2019, because it felt like a kind of breakout year in that sort of level of resurgence and good and companies like that. Um, yeah. And then, and then hopes for the future as well. Yeah. I mean, you know what it relates as a, uh, I briefly mentioned before, um, before, before all this started happening, I always kind of felt like I was desperately trying to keep up. Um, like I, I know what I, I feel like I'm, I'm capable of a lot. I feel like I've got a lot of potential and I can see that and I wouldn't be pushing if I didn't see that. But I did feel like I was, I was very tired. I had a lot of niggling injuries, my shoulder so many times I was, um, I was out there and, you know, I, I was safe to do so, but, it was a lot of pain. And then for the next few days, I, I would be in more pain. And I was just kind of like, I really needed to stop. Um, but obviously, like you say, the momentum was really picking up for me. I, I was going places and I was getting to show what I'm, what I can do. Um, but to be honest, you know, it is what it is. Everyone's in the same boat. And like I said, I, I am so much more knowledgeable now um, of loads of aspects to do with wrestling. Um, I've watched so much, so, so much uh, Japanese wrestling that I hadn't watched before, which I absolutely love. Um, there's a chaos to that. Like, again, a constructed chaos I love. Um, yeah, it's interesting, actually, because we talked about Japanese film and, and manga, but we didn't actually talk about Japanese wrestling. And there's a, obviously there's a lot of connections to the, the work of a company like DDT, which has sort of the, been the, the leader in this sort of absurdist comedy wrestling and also cinematic wrestling as well. Yeah, well, that's exactly it. Like DDT would be an amazing. Like I, I will as soon as possible because during all this, I've been saving coin just so I can kind of do this. Um, I want to go to Japan and I want to live in Japan for a while, train in Japan. Um, you know, I'm learning Japanese very slowly, but I'm getting there. Um, not my strongest suit is, um, you know, in education. I was never, I, I never really learned in school like how to learn I, I was never like i never cared enough to actually figure it out um so then i went to uni and that was like a crash course and and it was in something specifically i care about so that was a very wild journey um 
but yeah, Japan is definitely my goal. I, I absolutely 100% want to go and wrestle in Japan. I think uh, my humor, my the visuals, all the film that represents uh, suits Japan. Um, and I know next year I've had, you know, a lot of promotions are trying to say, here's a date, but obviously it might not happen. And, you know, you kind of take that with a pinch of salt now, but I've got a lot of things lined up and I feel really, really ready. Like, you know, Jim has, has been better. Like, I'm in better physical shape as well. So I'm so, so ready. I'm so, I'm sure so many wrestlers are so ready, but I'm ready to go back to training before that happens. Cause we need to all make sure that we're just on it and we've knocked off all that rust so we can come back and smash it and really, really hit the ground running. Like as like all of us, like British wrestling, just all as one, you know? Yeah. Well, if, if, I mean, fingers crossed that at some point next year, we'll, we'll turn the corner and shows can start coming back. Oh, yeah. And Claire, have you got any kind of final questions or anything like that? Um, I suppose like you've talked a bit about, um, how you're how you're going to come back out of this like physically different in terms of like your wrestling style and things you want to work on so i wonder about crowley as a character and and what what might be different or similar about him obviously like you know we associate you you know you've already said this in this um in this chat but like we associate you with the kind of i'm going to call it the entertainment side of fight side of wrestling like you know you approach it as an actor and and um and and, and rightly so, and it, and I think it really shows in your performance. So I wondered if you had plans for him as a character, like, is he going to be very similar? Maybe you don't want to tell us yet. Maybe it's all secret. <laughs> in typical Crowley fashion, you're going to surprise us all. But um, I'm really interested to, to hear if you've been kind of planning things character-based-wise as well as, as well as physically. Yeah, well, absolutely. Like, definitely, like, Crowley's mindset has changed because it can because he ha he's armed with more and armed with more experience, um, which is literally true. Like I, w when I started, I had all this uh, performance background. Um, so I had that experience. So I used that experience, you know, do what you're good at. Um, but in the background, obviously I've been improving uh, and like constantly training, um, picking the brains of people that have been here a long time, veterans. And like, I don't need to hide behind that quite as much anymore. Um, but at the same time, Crowley's fundamental beliefs are this like um, aspect of entertainment and wrestling should be entertaining and spectacular and, and different and, and embrace what's unique about you and all this kind of stuff. So it's just a matter of, um, I touched on it a little bit earlier, I think, um, rather than like, okay, I'm going to put on a show. It's like, I'm going to put on a show via the wrestling that I'm going to be doing, the, the, the strikes I'm throwing, the holds, the, the, the pain I'm inflicting. Um, so it's just a different approach. So the, the intentions are still there, but it's definitely going to be told uh, a lot more now via the actual wrestling aspect. Yeah, cool. Excellent. Um, do you want to plug, before we end, do you want to plug the film? Where can people go and watch it? Um, where can people find you and things online and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, absolutely. You can find me online at Crowley Carnival. I'm pretty sure that's the same for Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Um, and you can watch the film at www.youarecordiallyinvited.co.uk. And once you've watched the film and only once you've watched the film, you can scroll down and there's a behind the scenes video as well. That's like about 25 minutes long, made by LK Mazinga, uh, which is, you know, there's a little bit of swearing in it. And we're umming whether we should like, beep it out or not but you know what it's swearing that comes from passion and it's usually me followed by me saying that was 
fucking amazing. Like, and, and, and it's because I felt it and I was so happy and, and that's, everyone kind of had that same mood. So a little bit of swearing, but it's also very enjoyable and an interesting insight. Awesome. Yeah. I, I haven't actually watched that, so I'll, I'll definitely check that out. Oh yeah. Nice. Please do. Um, yeah. Okay. I think that, that calls an end to the, to the podcast. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for that guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah. You too. I'll All check right. You soon. Have Bye. a great evening. It comes. See you later. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the episode. For more episodes, including interviews with Spike Trevay, Gene Money and Charlie Evans, search Grappling Arts on Spotify, iTunes and YouTube.